Are you totally happy in the career you've chosen? Do you sometimes wish you could do something a bit different or something completely different? And if so, how do you even begin to find out what that might be? And what if you don't want to leave your job, but just want to do more of what you love in the role that you're in? In this podcast, I'm talking to Claire Kay, a former GP and executive coach specialising in career development. She's been on a fascinating journey herself and helps others who want to develop their own path. We talk about how to reflect on your career so far and how to work out what it is you actually want. We also talk about how to create your own opportunities when nothing seems to be out there or obvious to you. So listen if you want to find out how to diversify and create a career you'll love, even without leaving your current job. How to network in a non-cringy way which you'll actually enjoy. And how to start small and spot the opportunities that will lead you on a journey that you could never have imagined. Welcome to You Are Not A Frog, life hacks for doctors and busy professionals who want to beat burnout and work happier. I'm Dr. Rachel Morris. I'm a GP, turned coach, speaker and specialist in teaching resilience. And I'm interested in how we can wake up and be excited about going to work, no matter what. I've had 20 years experience of working in the NHS, both on the front line and teaching leadership and resilience. I know what it's like to feel overwhelmed, worried about making a mistake and one crisis away from not coping. 2021 promises to be a particularly challenging year. Even before the coronavirus crisis, we were facing unprecedented levels of burnout. We have been compared to frogs in a pan of slowly boiling water, working harder and longer. And the heat has been turned up so slowly that we hardly notice the extra long days becoming the norm and have got used to the low-grade feelings of stress and exhaustion. Let's face it, frogs generally only have two choices stay in the pan and be boiled alive or jump out of the pan and leave but you are not a frog and that's where this podcast comes in you have many more options than you think you do it is possible to be master of your own destiny and to craft your work and life so that you can thrive even in the most difficult of circumstances Through training as an executive and team coach, I discovered some hugely helpful resilience and productivity tools that transformed the way I approached my work. I've been teaching these principles over the last few years as the Shapes Toolkit program, because if you're happier at work, you'll simply do a better job. In this podcast, I'll be inviting you inside the minds of friends, colleagues and experts, all who have an interesting take on this, so that together we can take back control to thrive, not just survive in our work and our lives and love what we do again. Are you constantly stressed and thinking about work? Does your laptop come with you on holiday? your to-do list have permanent residence in your brain and your worry about how to handle the latest crisis wake you up in the small hours. Then it's time to get your life back and that's exactly what our brand new online course will help you do. It's a 60-minute reset for healthcare professionals to shift your mindset so you can set boundaries and limits around your work without the endless guilt that you've not done enough. It's just £27 and you can get instant access now when you go to shapestoolkit.com slash get your life back. It's really great to have with me on the podcast today, Dr. Claire Kay. Now, Claire is an 
executive coach, and she specializes in career development. She's also a former portfolio GP and an educator amongst many different roles. Claire, welcome. Thank you. Thank you for having me. So, I really wanted to have Claire on the podcast because of her expertise in in career development, because I really believe that actually being able to craft your job and craft your career is one of the, the ways that we can stay really resilient in our work. And I wanted to pick Claire's brains about it, particularly how we get ourselves out there and find what's what's good for us. But Claire, I'd, I'd love to know, first of all, why, why did you um, get into career development? So it's, it's quite um, a sort of interesting and protracted story really. I started out as a a trainee GP many, many years ago and I knew that I didn't want to be doing clinics nine times a week. I knew I wanted to do something else but I kind of didn't really know what I wanted to do. I just knew that I had an interest in education and one of the partners in the practice was teaching medical students in the practice and she said, okay, do you want to do a bit? And I thought, oh okay, I just qualified and I thought, why not? And that was kind of the starting moment that I thought, oh, wow, actually, I'm teaching medical students one day a week. It's really fun. I'm really enjoying it. And actually, it makes me feel really good on the other days as well as the day that I'm doing it. And that was kind of one of my aha moments when I thought, actually, I can be a GP, but I can do other things as well within my GP career. And that will be motivating all around in every aspect of my career. And that's when things started to springboard. So I started teaching medical students. I won lots of awards for UCL. And I thought, God, this is great. I'm really enjoying this. And I started to do more and more medical education and was looking at other opportunities. And that's when a colleague of mine um, sat down. We sat down together and there was some money at the time. Um, and this was probably about, I don't know, 15 years ago, some money at a time for newly qualified GPs to train. And we thought, oh, I know, we'll set up a company training GPs. So we did this um, and we decided we were going to do respiratory rehab and training, etc. And it was all ready to go. And it was a complete disaster because um, <laughs> because the, go- the, the government removed all the funding. And we suddenly realized that actually we'd failed but in a really good way in the sense that we'd learned a lot from that failure and that moment again taught me a huge amount about again that I had this entrepreneurial streak in me but really didn't have any understanding of what I wanted to do and from there things led on to other areas in education and I was asked to go to a meeting at the BMJ when they were first thinking about setting up BMJ Masterclass and I hadn't, I just had a baby. I was, I think I had a six week old baby. I didn't even know what my name was. Never mind. Did, couldn't understand why I was going or what I would con- contribute. But in that meeting, they started this sort of first conversations about setting up BMJ Masterclass. And from there, um, I was asked to help them set it up and deliver it. And, and that was about 14 years ago. And that led to me being involved with BMJ Masterclass, BMJ Live, speaking, seminars, presenting, all sorts of things from there. And every door that I've gone to has led to another door opening. And every opportunity that I have created has created even more opportunities that I didn't know existed. And I started to look back on my career and start to think, oh, how did I get into that? And oh, how did that happen? And started to look at patterns of my own behavior and patterns of other people's behavior and say, I wonder if there's something in this. What else could I do? What else could I achieve? How am I achieving it? 
how did I get that role? And started to look at patterns. And I suppose to answer your question, those are sort of the initial moments that I started to realize that career development comes from lots of different things and patterns of behavior, but particularly networking. And that's when I kind of got that, again, another aha moment that you actually need to understand that process in order to get that variety in your career to help with burnout and motivation. Wow, that's such an interesting journey. And I'm really fascinated in what you just said, because when you said, you know, I was asked to go to the BMJ to talk to them, my initial thoughts, wow, how lucky was that? But then you're absolutely right that you got asked to because you'd put yourself out there all that time before then, by even just starting to teach medical students. And because you did that, you then started to do the other thing. And because you did the other thing, you then decided to do this. And everything that you did opened another door, which which you walked through. And I think that's a mistake a lot of people make is that they are waiting to be asked to do something, waiting for an amazing opportunity to come, as opposed to making um, good use of the little things that are coming up and, and taking that journey, even if they don't quite know know where it's going to lead it's about taking opportunity and putting your outside yourself out there and even if opportunity doesn't look like it's there it's about creating those opportunities where you can even if it's in tiny tiny ways yeah because I think so many of us think that when we want to do a career change or we want to sort of diversify our career or, or add to our career in some way we have to wait till there's a role that's fully formed and ready for us mm-hmm. to just jump into that we know exactly what it's going to be but I would say that 99.9% of the professionals I speak to that are now doing things that are really I would consider really interesting and and, and everything mm-hmm. didn't start in that role it, it came to them because of other small things through through following their nose and following their interest. And, and it's interesting. I read an article on LinkedIn race recently about following your interests, not following mm. your passion. Uh, what, you know, what, what do yeah. you say when people say, oh, you just got to follow your passion? <laughs> well, I think you raised two really interesting points. The, the last one first. I mean, I saw that article as well. I think it, I think it was um, really very thought provoking because I think he said something like, oh, you know, if you're an accountant, you don't necessarily wake up thinking I'm desperate to be an accountant. Not that it's nothing wrong with being an accountant, but maybe that's not your passion. But he said, follow your interests. And I think that is really true that because and knowing what sort of the what is the crux of that interest but i know that i love working with people and it almost and i love developing projects so it it almost doesn't matter what the project is or who the people are as long as they're people that i have sort of a common interest with so actually and that kind of opens up doors in itself so i th- i actually do really agree with him and i think the follow do what you love is really is really um challenging because I mean I love flowers but I would make a terrible florist so you know you know it's you you don't necessarily do what you love you work out what your skill is that you really enjoy or what motivates you and then find a career that gives you that and it's really interesting what you were saying before about you know the the other aspects about how you get jobs and I and I look when I look back at my career I think I've only ever applied for a job once and bear in mind I've probably I've worked in multiple practices. I've been a CQC inspector. I've done media. I've done, I worked for a health tech company, all sorts of things that I've done. But actually, most of them are from networking and putting yourself out there and thinking, well, actually, even in GP practice, I, you know, I'd say, right, I'd like a training practice. It needs to be 15 minutes from where I, I live. It needs to be this amount of patience. I want to be working this amount of time or whatever. And then I would contact 
the practices that might my criteria and I'll say oh hi can I come and have a chat or can I come in and ask you advice or um can I you know come and see what you've got to offer maybe I can share what I've got to offer and and that's how most of my roles were given to me so I think it is really important just to get out there yeah and I think you make such a good point I think if people know you then they're gonna you know if they already have met you they know that you're a reasonable human being that things are going to be in pretty safe hands that you're trustworthy that you're personable then actually they will often just, you know, you'll find that there's stuff that hasn't even been advertised and hasn't, uh, mm. you know, been out there, but there's something they, they may be thinking of doing. I mean, what, what would you say to people that are thinking, well, that's all very well and good, but, you know, I'm in my little area. I don't really know that many other people. Uh, I don't really know where to start. Where would you say that people oh. should start? when? Because I, I, I know that you're, well, I get the impression that you're quite a confident person. You're quite happy just phoning people up going, can we, can we have a coffee or whatever? But what would, you, what would you be talking to your coaches about how to do that? So, I mean, it's a whole process, first of all, working out what you want and where you want to go. But once you've, I mean, I, I tend to sort of think about it in three ways. The first is to reflect on your current career and to think about, you know, where you're at, where you want to be, where you're going. Then to sort of do the sort of fairy godmother bit and think about reinventing yourself, like where would you like to be? And then when you're at that point, you can start to then network to try and get to where you want to be and rebuild. So it's that reflect, reinvent, rebuild is where I tend to focus on. And on the rebuild bit, the networking, you're right, is the key. And that's actually often the scariest bit for people. But the way that I do it or say to people to do is to just think about the people that you know. So it might just be colleagues at work. It might be friends, but anybody you know, it doesn't even need to be someone medical. But say, for example, you want to get into medical journalism, for example, you think, oh, I'd love to be writing for whoever. Then what I suggest to people to do is to talk to people and ask questions like, oh, do you, have you ever written an article for anybody? How did you do it? What did you enjoy about it? What did you find difficult? Can I ask you advice about how I might get into it? And then the key question is always, um, um, you know, could you tell me one person that you think that I could speak to that maybe would be able to help me further or could give me further advice? And it's very important that when you're contacting people that you're not, you're basically ringing for a chat. You're not asking for a job. You're asking for advice because people love to give advice. They love to be able to tell you their story and, and to share their thoughts. And actually asking people for advice is actually quite easy. Just starting with friends, family and colleagues is a brilliant starting point for networking and helps you build your confidence. I think where people fall down on this is like you said, they they worry that they're being presumptuous, that they're trying to sell themselves, et cetera, et cetera. But it, mm-hmm. it, it, it's your mindset, isn't it? If you go thinking, I'm trying to get a job here, I'm trying to get a job, that's you're going to fail from, yeah. from from number one. But if you go and you just say to someone, and I did exactly this when I was thinking of my, you know, doing a career change, is do you mind if I pick your brains for 15 minutes about X, Y, and Z? And, and you know, pre-COVID days, you could say, can I buy you a coffee and pick mm-hmm. your brains, please? Yeah. Do you mind? And most, nine times out of 10, they go, yeah, sure. And you have a chat and and then... Even if it's somebody that you're, you know, you don't really want to do what they do, they often have some really interesting stuff to say about the things. I mean, it's exactly how I started coaching because I was sort of thinking, what else could I do? And someone said, oh, you should, you should talk to this chap. So I 
phoned up this chap who was really kind. And he said, well, actually, we're doing a health coaching course soon. You'd enjoy it. You're a GP. Why don't you come along? So I went on the health coaching course, um, chatted with him at lunchtime. He said, oh, you should go for team coaching because that's what the NHS really need. And I went, okay, yeah, fine. Sign me up. So I then wanted to do team coaching. And it was all just because I'd been put in touch with one person that it yeah. then went, it then went from there. And even the people that I've gone to have coffee with that I had almost not no interest in doing exactly what they were doing, they'd all go, oh, you know what? You should talk to so-and-so. That'd be, inter- that'd be interesting. And, and interestingly, those people that I talk to have often come back to me at a later date and said, actually, can you speak at such and such a place or can you do this yeah. for us? So you're making these connections, but you're not, you're not selling yourself at all. What you're doing is asking questions about themselves, aren't you, and, and, yeah, and their job. It's, it's a conversation. It's a chat. It isn't an interview. It's literally just asking somebody for advice and just thinking about getting, for example, into medical journalism. Do you know anyone? Do you, or do you know anyone that's done it? Have you ever done that? Or what would you suggest? Or, or do you, you know, what would you think a next step might be? Or you know, literally, and it's amazing, like you were saying, Rachel, you know, people know other people and then they say, oh, you should speak to John. He's done it. Or, or I met somebody at a conference. Let me see if I can find their name. Or, hey, why don't you go on that writing course? I heard somebody did that and it was brilliant. Or, you know, it, and that sort of conversation, as you say, it starts to make connections so that when you are at a set later date in your career, people, as you say, say, oh, oh we met at this. Do, do you fancy coming to talk or do you fancy doing it? It opens doors. And that's what it's about, just opening the doors and the conversations. And I think it's really important to say as well that if you're trying to, if you've got a specific goal and you're speaking to people, it's okay if people either can't speak to you or they don't have any further advice and it kind of gets to a dead end. You might speak to 10 people and there's only one good lead from it. That's fine. And But you've got to stay motivated to keep thinking, right, I've spoken to 10. I'm going to need to speak to another 10. And that's fine. And just think, who else do I know? Where else could I speak to people about this? How, how else can I make connections? And obviously, you can do it these days as well, which is amazing. You know, um, more remotely, like on Facebook. And, you know, there's so many brilliant groups. So, again, if you were a bit nervous about speaking to somebody face to face, or on the phone or whatever, you could put something out there on one of the groups. And often people say, oh, you know, direct message me and uh, I'm happy to have a chat. And that's another way that you know that that person is happy to give you advice um, and suggestions, etc. And they might even be in the field that you want to. So if you felt more comfortable doing it that way, it's another really good way that people do. How important do you think it is to remain really goal focused in these conversations? Like I want to be a medical journalist, therefore I'm, that's all I'm going to talk to you about etc or how important is it just to keep a really open mind when you're when you're talking to people I think you have your um, goal in your back pocket and it sits there and you think in the back of your mind that's where I'd like to go with this conversation but actually I'm just having a chat I want to find out who this person is what they're about where they've come from what they enjoy and then just see if there's any connections or thoughts and you might think actually when I'm a medical journalist, I'm going to write about you because you're really interesting. People are such a resource. So I think, as I say, you have it in your back pocket. You're not going there saying, tell me about medical journalism. I want to know about medical journalism. You're just asking the person in a conversational way about them, about any connections they have, any advice they have about their career, what they've loved about their career, what they wish they knew now, then that they didn't know. You know all those sort of questions that would have helped um, them and to know at that early stages in their career and that will all help 
So I think that's really important. So it's a chat, like, like you and I are chatting, or if you're chatting with a friend, it's a conversation, it's a chat, it's not an interview. Yeah, and actually, I, I found the journey of doing this was just so joyful because it was so lovely, just talking to loads and loads of different people, getting to know them. And people actually really appreciate a chance to to be listened to and reflect on stuff. Mm. And if you can demonstrate that you can listen and ask good questions, then then that's a real service to that person. Like, like you just said, you know, what? tell me three things you really love about your job. Ooh, that's a good question. Let me have a think about that. You sort of, so you're really sort of helping them as well. I think sometimes it's a, it's, it's a two-way thing. I get it. You're pushed for time. And with over 200 episodes, how do you know which is going to be the one that lifts you out of the saucepan and back to thriving at work? Never fear, the You Are Not A Frog podcast quiz is here. Find out if you're a super squirrel, brilliant badger or mighty mole and I'll send you a personalised playlist with the top five episodes that will make the biggest difference to you. Discover your top of the hops, top five episodes, sorry, and leap into your happiest thriving self again. Just go to youarenotafrog.com slash quiz. Yeah, 100%. And people, people love giving advice. People, it's quite therapeutic, as you say, on both, on both parts. Yeah. And, and what do you think about, you know, if you're going to talk to people about sort of volunteering to do, to do little things and, and start small? Because I'm just thinking, you know, some of us have these massive career, like, I'm going to do oh. this in my career. I want to be a medical journalist. But then how about starting off by writing an article for your local CCG or PCN news yeah. newsletter, for example. It's, I think you're, you're totally right, Rachel. You, you start small. You just look, take opportunities as they come and take any opportunities. And the other thing I did, which I found really useful, is I watched people. So if I was at a conference and I saw an amazing speaker, what is it I love about you? What is it that makes me really inspired and motivated by hearing you speak? And then I would try and emulate that. So I, I, there was one speaker who was a cardiologist who I once um, heard talk, and he was doing a really complicated topic in cardiology, which I'd always found hard before. And he broke it down into bite-sized pieces and made it really logical and really simple. And he used real plain language. And yet he was really motivating and exciting to listen to. I was like, oh, I want to be like you. And I thought, what is it? It's just breaking it down into small pieces and it's being logical and it's being motivated and out there. So the next time I did a talk, I tried to make it really simple and logical and do the things that I'd learned that way. So watching people is really useful. If you want to be a medical journalist, read and ask them and say, what is it about this that's really interesting? Why did it capture me? Why did I read it? Was it the you know, headline? Was it the content? Well, how could I present my piece of work to the local LMC or to the local um, RAG or to the, the you know, my even my, um, the... Um, I forgot what it's called, the, uh, the newspaper, the news leaflet that you would have in a GP practice that just sits on the reception desk. You know, all those sort of things. You can just start writing and start getting yourself out there. So the little things are really important. Yeah, I think you're so right. I, th- I think you can't wait until you're a complete expert to start doing 
what you yeah. love doing because you can't become an expert unless you've had practice. I remember when I first started doing the resilience training, I, I just said to um, the guys at our local GP network, hey, can I can I do an evening on resilience? Because I think I'm quite interested in that. So I read a book, <laughs> did, some, did it. It, was, it wasn't very good, <laughs> but I, I've learned a lot of ways not to teach resilience. That's, that's for sure. But unless you start doing it, and I think sometimes as doctors and other professionals, we can get a little bit perfectionistic perhaps mm-hmm. and think that we need to be fully trained up and fully, fully, fully competent before we start doing what we're doing. And I guess there's pros and cons of both. I mean, obviously to do medical work, to do legal work, you need to be competent. You need to be fully trained up. But when it's in these, some of these other things to, to teach, it's like you said, you, you can't learn to teach just by doing a course about teaching. You have to actually do it and get out there. It's like, likewise with writing, you've got to just do it and and reflect on it and do it. So, So how much does the whole perfectionism thing and having to be excellent stop us from getting ourselves out there? Do you think? I think we all have this block, and I don't know if you've read the book by um, John Lees, um, and he always says there's the, the yes but thing. So when somebody says, oh, why don't you write an article anywhere? Oh, no, yes, but I can't. I, I, don't, I don't know enough about that. Or yes, but I would, but I'm too busy. Or that yes but block. And I think we do all have a yes but block in us. And it's very easy to say, well, as you know, that I actually, I need the course, I need the qualification in order to do it. And I have to say, I haven't got a, a single qualification in education, but it's, it's not, you know, it's 50% of my career. And, and it's just about, I think, just getting out there and getting better and learning from your mistakes. Like when I set up a business, set up, you know, teaching, um, you know, first GPs, like I was saying at the beginning of this podcast, it failed. I learned the most from that. And that's how I went forwards. And when I delivered a really bad talk, I think, oh, God, what went wrong? What, where could I do better? Like you were saying with your resilience, you know, the first time you taught that and now you're an amazing resilience you know, educator. And it's, it is about just learning where it's gone wrong, getting feedback and thinking, I'm going to keep trying because I know I'm passionate about this. So I think... I think it's about being okay with not being perfect. And I agree that as doctors, we like to be perfect. I'm a perfectionist and it's quite hard to remember that it's okay not being perfect. And if you deliver a a bad talk, then nobody's going to die. That's what I keep saying. Nobody's going to die. You might feel like you're going to (laughs) die. Yeah, exactly. You might feel a bit rubbish, but that's it. And, you know, if you, you know, go a bit red on stage or trip up, well, so what? You know, it just doesn't matter if you chip over your words or you forget a phrase or you can't answer a question. So what? Nothing bad's going to happen. And, and that used to be my mantra when I was starting. You know, if I get a bit flustered over something, it's okay. Nothing bad. So and I think just having that sort of thing, I'll just give it a go and whatever happens, happens, and I'll learn from it rather than it's got to be the best. And if you need a few qualifications to feel happy and, you know, as, as medics like to, that's fine. But don't like that's not going to give you the finished product. Yeah. And, and I guess the good news these days is you can do a course in anything online. Yeah. Nowadays, there's so many online courses you can buy and people that have trodden, trodden the way before you that you can just learn yeah. systems and ways of doing things and just sort of learning on the job, job and doing it and there's all sorts of other things you can do like joining coaching groups and mastermind groups and, and sort of getting along with other people who are sort of on the yeah. same on the same journey as you which can be really quite helpful definitely I would say that having coaching and I know I'm biased because I am a coach but 
having coaching is fundamentally life-changing for a lot of people because when you're not sure you don't know how to make to make the next steps or you can't you're kind of stuck on your conveyor belt and you feel like you can't get off even though you'd like to because you just can't you haven't got given yourself permission to do it almost actually having coaching is really helpful and for me that's when I was able to change my whole career I was able to give myself permission to say actually this is what I really want and this is how I'm going to get it I think it does make you more courageous so I think if you are somebody that isn't you know isn't focused isn't at the point where they're rebuilding their career and doesn't quite know what they want and you're kind of at the reflecting reinventing stage then coaching is really really valuable and if you're somebody that's kind of done all that and has had either coaching or kind of a self-coach themselves and knows that you're at the rebuild stage then that's when the networking bit happens um so it depends where you're at, really. Hmm. Actually, I, I think you can do both at the same time. Because I think yeah. sometimes you find out quite a lot about yourself through the networking that you that you do. So they can it can perhaps run alongside each other. I think it depends on your personality. If you are somebody that can, you know, put yourself out there quite happily and just see what happens, I totally agree with you. I think you can do both and and kind of expand where you thought you wanted to go and you sort of, you know, explore other avenues. I think if you're somebody that worries about things a lot and is nervous to approach other people, then maybe it's it's easier to start by self-reflecting before trying to get out there. Um, It depends on your personality, but I agree. If if you're that sort of, that way inclined, brilliant, do it. Mm. I think one thing that does stop a lot of professionals is, and, and it, it's ridiculous, but I definitely had this, was this thought that, what else can I do? I've got no transferable skills. <laughs> yeah. I know, that's so but true. I look back, upon, back at it, it, it it's crazy because, you know, doctors, lawyers, other professionals have got so many transferable skills, but we've sort of been conditioned into thinking that the only thing I can do is see, is see patients. What what else could I do? And what do you say to people who have that sort of blocker? Well, I had a really interesting conversation with somebody just about a week and a half ago, and she's in secondary care. And she said, and she's got, you know, with everything with Corona at the moment, it's really tough. And she said to me, well, I'm trapped. I, this is me. I've got to do this for the next 20 years. And I said, no, you're so wrong. She goes, but I don't know anything else. I can't do anything else this is just me. And I said, and then we actually sat and had a chat about all the things that she does, her communication skills, her managerial skills, her, you know, her her organizational skills, her ability to cope under stress, her academic skills, you know, we literally wrote a list of all the amazing things that she does every single day, which she thinks is bog standard. And once you actually look at what you actually do as a doctor, you can see that it transfers into so many different areas and it comes back a bit to what you were saying about before, do what you love or what you're interested in. That's the point you say, well, which bit really motivates me? When I'm doing managerial stuff, do I feel really excited? Or when I'm communicating with people, do I feel really excited and you know, get, you know, want to do more? And then that helps you to develop it even within your current role. You don't have to leave a role to, to do something else. You can add to it. You can just develop an aspect of your career whilst you're doing it. Yeah, I 100% agree because I think the real key to resilience for, you know, I guess particularly doctors through these difficult times is to craft your job within the role that you're already yeah. doing. Because what, what I don't want is doctors to leave. <laughs> I really yeah. don't. I guess that's what You're Not a Frog is about. It's about you can do small things to make a difference to, to where you are. I think doing something different within your current role 
is so, so helpful because it helps you use different bits of your brain. It gives you maybe slightly different teams. So if you say you're in a, um, you're in a, you're working as a consultant in secondary care, and then you also start to do a bit of teaching on a particular course for the medical school, you'll have a different, different set of colleagues there and you're using maybe a slightly more creative side of your brain. Or if you become a, go into leadership in the department, you're suddenly looking at sort of finances and different things. So, I really do think a change is just as good as a, a break sometimes. So this whole thing about diversifying within what you're already doing, and it doesn't have to be much really, does it? It could just yeah. be a couple of hours of something different a week. Yeah, I think the, the variety really does help to motivate you in all aspects. Like I was saying right at the beginning, I suddenly realized that doing something else in my day job actually made me love my clinical side even more because it was a rest, it was a break, it was something different. And like you're saying, having the interactions with different people is very motivating. And I think, again, most people, as they go through their career, do do different things, but they sometimes get allocated something. They might be told to teach medical students rather than choosing to. And actually, they might be someone that hates teaching. Whereas if they sat back and said to think, well, my colleagues actually doing all the writing. I'd love to be doing the writing. I don't want to be doing the teaching. Maybe I can approach my superiors and say, listen, I'm really not great at teaching. I'd love to be doing the writing that you've got is there any scope for looking at how we could share this out or switch it up or you know so again it's about doing other things but also looking at what things are being allocated and maybe saying actually I'm this isn't really me but I'd love to do some managerial stuff or I'd love to do whatever else and and putting yourself out there within your role and saying you know could I take over all the compliance stuff could I take over all the you know consultant leadership stuff whatever it is and actually, you know, saying I'd love to take that on, I have a real interest because people don't know otherwise. Yeah. And that in itself is so motivating because you feel like you're achieving something, you've got direction and focus, and then you start to feel invigorated. And that is really possible even right now. And that is actually really important that people in this horrendously traumatic time that everybody is going through to remember, actually, you've still got a choice. There is still choice out there. And being able to stand up and say, I have a passion, I have interests, I want to take on things, but I would like to choose this. Is there any scope for that is really important. Yeah, I, I totally agree. And I remember I had a, a coachee and he was, you know, pretty miserable in his partnership. And we, we talked a bit and it, it turned out he'd been allocated, I think he was audit lead or something for the practice. Mm. He hated, he hated doing <laughs> audit. I said, well, what do you enjoy? I said, I really love teaching. And so he said, but, you know, I'd love to teach more, but there's nothing being advertised. So we said, well, okay, do you have medical students in the practice? Oh, yeah, but one of the other partners does that. Okay, so what could you do? He said, well, I guess I could go and have a talk with them and say, do you want Mm -hmm. me to do any? And long story short, ended up taking on a bit of a teaching, managed to give the audit to someone who who really enjoyed quality improvement um, and ended up actually getting a a job with the local university, doing more more teaching through the medical students, did a a, a PG cert, became a trainee. And and then when I last sort of saw him, he was just loving it because he just made those few changes and it, it, it really, really helped him. So and I think the thing about crafting, doing what you love, is so important. And also, I bet nobody even knew that he wanted to teach. He probably just sat there thinking, I'd, I hate audit, I'd love to teach. But if maybe no one even knew he didn't like audit because he just said he'd do it. So how would anyone know? So it is about just communicating in a very gentle way. Yeah, I'd love teaching. Can I get involved in that instance? 
I think the other thing that possibly stops people is that they don't feel they're senior enough as well. Mm. So say if you are new to a practice or maybe you're in a, a portfolio or salaried role or a locum, or if you're in a, another organisation, you may be sort of junior partner or something. And you think, actually, I'm quite interested in people. I wouldn't mind sort of managing something. How about, you know, you go to the partnership and say, I'm quite interested. Would you like me to take on the line management of, of, of a team of one of the healthcare groups or, or something like, would you like me to supervise anybody? What, what can I get involved with? And I think they'll, they'll bite your hand off, oh, quite frankly. Um, I mean, when I was a locum, I did a, a long-term locum many, many moons ago, and I love elderly care. I have a real special interest in elderly care. And there was a nursing home that came up that they had taken on. And um, they were kind of talking to the salary doctors and talking to the partners about, you know, who was going to lead this. And I went to them and I said, um, you know, if nobody else wants it, I'd love to run the nursing home. Please, you know, could you consider me? Um, and I know I've not done it before, but I, you know, I'd love to get involved. And, you know, I could run ward rounds and be their, you know, the lead GP for them and et cetera, et cetera. And they kind of looked at me sort of half surprised half horrified half like what you're the locum and I said I, you know I completely understand if you don't want me to you know like very gently and they're like we'd love you to nobody else wants yes, to do please. it and it became my baby and I loved it I loved every second of it and it was so invigorating and motivating for me I for them they got a massive piece of work that they didn't want to do given to me it was like a classic win-win and it was brilliant because if I hadn't have said anything, one of the poor partners would have got it, didn't want it, didn't have time for it, you know, already got a massive workload and I was there chomping at the bit. So again, it's just, you've got to let people know where your interests lie in a very gentle way to, to be able to explore the areas that you love. Yeah, and that's just another form of networking, isn't it? Absolutely. Absolutely. We're all different, right? So, you know, sometimes you think, oh, no, I mean, they won't want me to do that because obviously they'll want to do it. Well, they might not want to do it. And anything that you think, oh, I really don't want to do that. Well, there might be someone else who absolutely loves doing that. So don't assume, don't assume anything. And I think you're absolutely right. You need to tell people what you want. You cannot assume that they're just going to just going to know because they know you. But also, you know, in that situation, if a partner had wanted to do that nursing home, for example, I could have then said, oh, no problem. Could I shadow you a few times just to learn the tricks of the trade? Could I learn something from you? Have you got any tips for me about how I could do this really well? What have you found really useful when you've run other nursing homes? So that when I did get my next opportunity, I could then say, oh, I've heard this works really well. Could I do this? Or, you know, et cetera, et cetera. And that's really, you know, so every opportunity, even if it's a rejection, is also an opportunity. Mm. Mm, 100%. So Claire, what would you say to someone who's just sort of just at the beginning of their journey thinking, I'd really like to diversify, I'd really like to sort of upskill, do something slightly different, but I don't even know where to start? So for me, I find the easiest thing to do is to, to think about my three R's, which is the reflect, reinvent and rebuild. So the reflect is actually the biggest and the most important bit. It's about really thinking about where you are, What's great about where you are now, what you love, what, what makes you feel at the end of the day has been a great day, what motivates you, what makes you feel really positive about where you are now, and then what are the challenges, what do you find really difficult, what demotivates you, what would you rather you weren't doing, and then start to think, well, if I had a fairy godmother in a perfect world with no COVID or with financial restraints, what would I do, what would I love to do, and really try and establish what you really would want, and then once you've kind of done that and thought about what good looks like and where I'd like to be in five years time in a perfect world then that's the rebuild bit 
And then that's the bit when you would say, right, how am I going to do this? Who could I talk to? And just start small, start with friends and family, start with colleagues, think about social media, who I could contact on there and start talking to people. It's not an interview. It's just a conversation. Connect with people, connect with people, connect with people, connect with people. And little by little, you put yourself out there a little bit more and you trial things a little bit. Like if we, like we were saying, you know, try and teach a bit, try and write a bit, learn from your mistakes, expect to fail and then keep going. And little by little, you'll find more and more doors start opening. Mm. Brilliant. Oh, that's really, really good advice. I think, I think from our chat today, I've sort of written down a few, a few um, tips I would, I would tell people. I think firstly, don't think of it as networking to sell yourself. Think of it as just finding out about other people Mm. and show interest in other people. And I think the second thing that you've, you've said a lot is just take any opportunity that's going for things that you're interested in. And don't worry that it's not this massive opportunity. The little stuff leads to the bigger stuff always. Um, and I think my, my final tip would be, and make sure you're saying no to enough other stuff because, you know, as a GP, doctor, other professional, it's very easy just to take on everything. And then you end up with no time to investigate and do the stuff that you really want to do. Cause it's quite a project, isn't it? When you start really starting to investigate and it takes time. Yeah, I think the the word no is a is a topic for a whole other podcast, Rachel. I totally agree with you. No is a fascinating word. And how you say no and when you say no and what yeah. bits to say no is another a very interesting conversation. Yeah. Agree. Well, we'll have to get you back, Claire. We'll talk about saying no. But I think, you know, if you're saying no to something, then that means you've got time then to say yes to something yeah, else. Totally. You really got to know. And that's the thing where you, you're sort of having your big goal in, in mind comes in, you know, otherwise yeah. you're just buffered by who, who you know, by what anyone asks you. So, you know, yes, 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 yes. So be intentional about the opportunities that you do choose to take. Yeah, it's, it's about allowing yourself to have focus, clarity and direction. But it's OK to have those things and to want them. That's OK. Brilliant. Oh, Claire, it's been such a pleasure to have you on the podcast today. If people wanted to contact you, find out more about your work, where can they go? So lots of places. I've got my website, drclairekay.com. Um, I'm also on LinkedIn, and Dr., which is under Dr. Claire K. Instagram, which is Dr. Claire K underscore executive coaching. And also on Facebook, Dr. Claire K executive coaching. So I'm in lots of places. I'd love to hear from you. If you just want to have a chat, not necessarily about coaching or just tell me about your journey or want to discuss how coaching might help you or if you feel like you want a seminar for your organization just give me a shout brilliant well thank you so much Claire I think we're gonna have to get you back then to talk about saying no another time yeah I'd love that I've got lots to say on that (laughs) as long as you don't say no to me (laughs) (laughs) never (laughs) brilliant thank you and we'll speak to you soon thanks for having me bye Thanks for listening. If you've enjoyed this episode, then please share it with your friends and colleagues. Please subscribe to my You Are Not A Frog email list and subscribe to the podcast. And if you have enjoyed it, then please leave me a rating wherever you listen to your podcasts. So keep well, everyone. You're doing a great job. You got this.